Welcome to Range. I'm Amy Westervelt. Last month, reporter Mary Catherine O'Connor joined me for an episode on the intersection between ski resorts and the mining industry in the West. One of the interviews she did for that story with Brian McInerney, a hydrologist with the National Weather Service, didn't make it into the final story, but it's one I wanted listeners to hear. In this bonus episode, Brian talks us through how climate science got politicized, how surprised he was when it happened, and what the difference is between climate and weather. Here's Brian. People confuse weather and climate all the time. And when I first started doing this, and I would talk about climate change, um, it was like another subject, like geology, hydrology, meteorology, and it was well-received. And then at some point it got politicized, and then it got more difficult to convey the science. My my idea was that we are, are an outlet that will give you the best objective information on this subject so you can make better decisions. And it really came down to what's going to happen to the farming community, what's going to happen to the ski industry, and and really the overall impact of a warming climate. So I would do this, and then it got difficult. People had politicians attending conferences, and they would sit in the audience and then jump up and yell and pander to the audience. And, and it was quite easy. All I had to do was wait for him to get done and just say, what part of this do you want to talk about? We need to have this conversation now. Now is as good a time as any, and we would, it would fall apart because science was so solid. And, and that's when things were at their height. Uh, I was on a radio show, two hours, they called and said, can you come in and talk about climate change? Sure. And it was K-Talk Radio, 6.30 a.m., and I still remember this so well. And it was two hours of live TV, and they broke the call record, and everybody that called in was antagonistic toward me. Nasty. This would have been early 2000s, somewhere in that range. Um, And I was really surprised that it wasn't a mix of calls or questions. When you uh, elaborate on the science, it was all, let me talk to that tree-hugging do-gooder kind of guy. Did they nitpick any of the... They came up with bad science. Uh, One guy said, uh, so, okay, smart guy, let me tell you this, and I remember this guy clearly. Um, tell me the percent of CO2 in the atmosphere. And at the time, I was like, you know, I don't have the exact number, but it's less than 1%. It's like a percent of a percent. Mm -hmm. He said, see, there you go. And I said, where? And he said, if it's so small, then how is it having the impact? And I Mm -hmm. illustrated the correlation between CO2 levels and and a temperature. And he's like, oh, well, you know. And they said, where'd you get your degree from? And he said, I don't. I went to high school and I read science magazines. And then he hang up. And that's how the whole interview went. And I got done. I was like, why are, why are they so angry? They don't know me. And I even said, you know, we shouldn't really listen to what I say. You should go find out yourself. And people would say, well, it's, it's cold. Like right now, it's really snowy. So how are, are we warming? It's freezing out there. It's freezing earlier. And so then you explain the difference between weather, what you're getting, climate is the trends. And then if you go into the trends, show them the science, people are are really shocked at where we're headed with this. You know, by 2035 to 2065, areas in the Wasatch Mountains that are 100% snow covered in the meteorological winter will only be 50% covered or less. And that's meteorological is January, December, January. December, January, February. February. And they call it that just because when we do calendar, it's December 21st and it gets okay. confusing. So they'll say, why don't we just do December, January, February is a meteorological winter. And it's the heart of the winter. And and we're going to warm. And it, So and like half of, in 20 years, about half of what we get now. Yeah. 
right? And we're doing that right now. For instance, we had uh, a really advantageous weather pattern, December and January. Our snowpack was 180%. Then on the second day of February, we started warming mm. for roughly about 20 days, up to 23 degrees above normal. And mm. that melted a significant amount of this incredibly large snowpack. We had basement flooding. We had mm. all sorts of flooding up north. Mm. And we're going to see more of this. Yeah. This is going to be our future. Mm. And I, I don't know if it's it's so big and so so much information how this is going to change but when you look at how we get water in the wasatch mountains for this area where the most populated area of utah it's snow hydrology it mm -hmm. falls on a regular basis it's clean we put keep it in the mountains and then we don't use it and when we need it it's gravity fed it comes down these channels that have been formed over thousands of years and we built reservoirs right at the bottom and then we dole it out what happens if it rains during the winter time the vegetation is going to change and, and science uh, has shown that the storms that we're seeing right now are becoming less frequent and more intense. Mm -hmm. So what happens if we get a deluge of rain over a two-day period that matches the average of the month? You can look at the average and say, well, we've got, we're right on target. But it came in a couple of days, it caused some flooding, and then it goes away. What happens in the spring when our snow melt runoff is a, a small fraction of what we anticipated to do. And the, the people, what's interesting is the people that are being affected right now, the farmers, were the ones that didn't really believe the science. They were told not to believe the scientists. They couldn't really, the people that were against climate change information really weren't attacking the science because the science is really solid. 97.4% of the people that publish in accredited journals um, believe it's happening or causing it. And if you talk to the scientists from the NOAA labs, National Center for Atmospheric mm -hmm. Research, they just say, we, we figured that out like seven years ago, ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Now we're working on the precip patterns, which they're trying to figure this out. I was asked to talk to um, a group of farmers and ranchers in the Upper Weaver Basin. It's Colville, Utah. Okay. It's near Park City. Mm -hmm. This was maybe three years ago. And I fully expected to get a hostile audience. Mm -hmm. But what I found was they said, we need help. We see a changing. Hmm. We don't get as much snow. It's melting earlier. It comes uh, earlier. And our farms are, and our ranches are are being more difficult. We have more bugs. And these were, was this the same peer group that was calling in at the radio station? Did you get a sense, or did you? This group. Did they seem yeah, a little more? Yeah, I, I think the same demographic. Uh -huh. You know, maybe people that hadn't gone to college that were worked on agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, now they're seeing it themselves, and and uh, they're like, all right, we need help. Mm -hmm. And the whole room then was it was very positive. It was it was discussions. It was giving out the science, and then they would say, this is what I saw. And then you could see them talking amongst themselves. Maybe if we did this hmm. to try and give the problems. But when you look at the projections for Salt Lake City, mm -hmm. with there's two ways to go. If we stop burning fossil fuels, mm -hmm. we have, um, we're going to warm 7 degrees here in the valley by 2100 when on average. When you say stop using... Me meaning we just go clean and we quit doing... Okay. 
if we go business as usual, mm -hmm. and it looks like we're going to go a little bit higher because of where we're at with the political spectrum, mm -hmm. it's anticipated to warm 12 degrees in Salt Lake City. In what do, what time zone? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm by 2100. Sure. By 2100, yeah. And if you look at where we, we just had a summer where we broke uh, all sorts of heat records. Mm -hmm. One of the heat records we had 21 straight days of 95 degrees and above. And that was a record. Mm -hmm. We broke nighttime minimums. We had the hottest nighttime minimum we've ever experienced was 81 degrees. <coughs> but then getting back to like climate versus weather, yeah. so you say that, and then the counter-argument is like, that was weather. Yeah. So how is that climate? So, so they'll say, well, it's always gotten warm, it's always gotten cold. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then I'll even say, I'm not here to, to sway you in any way. My job is to give you the science, but mm -hmm. if you look at this, it's never been that way. Back to 1874 is when we started keeping records mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. But who knows before that? Doesn't mm -hmm. mean it was that hot in 1874. Mm -hmm. It's never been that hot. And when you look at the time, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are we looking at there? Um, 144 years, roughly? It's never been that hot here. Mm -hmm. And then there was an argument about um, heat islands from cities. Well, then they looked at it and they did some analysis and they found that the co-op stations where we find all of our data, they're farmers and ranchers and even in the cities throughout the state and throughout the country, this mm -hmm. is where the climate records comes from, they're not in these heat bubbles. And if anything, there was a cold bias they saw. Hmm. So that kind of went away. So when hmm. I give talks on this subject, my mm -hmm. first thing is to show the science from NASA. They do really good stuff on how to display it. Mm -hmm. And they'll show the correlation between the temperature we have now and then what's causing it? Is it the sun, solar max, solar min? No, here's the line. And you can see the lines diverge. Um, all sorts of different things, burning, uh, deforestation. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, there's, there's like six or seven different things. And then they show CO2 and it went a little bit high, then they put everything together and it matched it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then you just show what's going on with the temperatures and things. And people tend to get a little more, oh, Okay. Yeah. And you'll say, ask me questions where this data came from. Mm -hmm. How did they do the research? Because it's not very hard. Mm -hmm. And, but you'll get people saying that it's cold right now. Right. And yes, well, that's the weather. That's yeah. what you expect. Right. you enjoyed that quick explainer as much as I did. Many thanks to Mary Catherine O'Connor for sharing it with us. That's it for season two, but we'll be back in April with season three, including a look at one of Nevada's busiest weed labs, a rancher who takes his cues from the Old Testament, and a deep dive on Hawaii's quest for independence. See you soon! Range is produced by me, Amy Westervelt, and distributed by Critical Frequency. Our original music is by David Whited, and original illustrations for each episode are drawn by James Guthman. You can see those illustrations on our website, rangepodcast.org. If you have an idea for an episode or feedback on any of our other shows, drop me a line at howdy at rangepodcast.org. 
You can follow us across all social media platforms at Range Podcast. If you enjoy Range, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Critical Frequency is running a Patreon campaign that will benefit all of the network's podcasts, so if you can give, please do so there. Range is completely independently funded, and by that I mean funded by me, a freelance journalist, not a media baron. So please support us if you're able to, either with money or a rating. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you next month. Bye.